0: grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Ozzaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. This is a church to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today we're hearing the first message in a new series that's called Called, Here Am I, Send Me, based on Isaiah chapter 6 Pastor Sean asks the question, what if God is planning to use a unique event in your life to help make your faith bigger and stronger? The bonus question is, are you ready? Reallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. But if you feel led right now to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do. There's a place to give at reallife.org. It's part one of Called. Pastor Sean is teaching from Isaiah 6 and from the book of Esther. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio
1: this new series, and we're going to start and talk about calling from the book of Isaiah chapter 6, and we wanted to take that passage of scripture and read it in such a way that we could just get quiet and let the scripture wash over our hearts, so let's let the Lord do that as we hear the reading of the word. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two wings, they covered their feet. And with two, they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The sound of their voices, the doorpost and the temple shook, the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then Lord, I thank you for the reading of your word and for the power of your word. Lord, I thank you for that incredible vision of the throne room of heaven. No matter what we face, remind us that you're on the throne and you are good. We love you. Speak to us today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What a powerful vision that culminates in that phrase. Here am I, send me. I'm here, Lord, send me. That's the theme of the entire series that we're going to take from this passage. Here am I, Lord, send me. I want to suggest to you that God is still asking the question, who will I send? Who will go for us? As God looks at a world that is hurting, it's broken, it's rejecting him, as he wants to advance his kingdom to bring life and peace and hope all around the world, he looks throughout his church. He looks throughout this room, and he says, who will I send, who will go for us? And our assignment through this series is to discover the process and get to that place where we say, here am I, Lord, send me. Now, this whole series will be guided by a premise. That premise is this. In the same way that God had a calling for Isaiah, he has a calling for you and I. Every single one of us is called. Not to the same thing, not to the same assignment. We're not all called to be prophets. But we are all called. And as God looks at the world, he's still looking for people who will say, I'm here, God. I'm right here. You can send me. Now, what is this idea of calling? What is the call? You get a phone call you know, I didn't, it would have been nice, a phone call, and someone, and it's the Lord, and it sounds just like wind, and it's right there, and he's, oh God, it's you, awesome. Is it maybe a voice from heaven? I've never heard God speak in an audible voice. Do I think God can speak in an audible voice? Yes, God can speak in an audible voice. The preschoolers in our preschool wing can all speak in audible voices, really loud ones. I think the creator of all things can speak in an audible voice if he wants. So if someone says, gee, I believe I heard the voice of the Lord and he spoke to me audibly, that's not going to throw me for a loop. I think God can do that. I'll just let you know he's not done that in my life. That doesn't mean I haven't heard him speak. Is it a burning bush? Is that what a calling is about? You know, I grew up around horses and things like that, so maybe a burning bale of hay, is that what my calling was like? No. No, calling can affect people differently. But really, calling is a sense of God's hand on your life and an assignment from him. It's a sense that your life is about something more than just going to work, kind of going throughout the week, and then get to the weekend, have a little fun over the weekend, and then go do it all again. It's that sense that, man, my life's supposed to be about something more. I was created for more. That's that sense of calling, that sense of destiny, that there is a creator, he loves you, and he made you for something specific. It's an assignment from him. How does it work? Well, typically you begin to become aware. It's almost like a waking to this calling, and it typically begins with a vision. That's why this passage is so powerful, and that's where we're going to begin, with this vision. Because that's how calling typically begins, seeing something and knowing it's something that God has revealed. So we're going to look at this passage in Isaiah 6. and As we read, you remember... The prophet started out with this phrase. He said, in the year that King Uzziah died. Now, that's not just for a time stamp. That's a powerful, loaded phrase. The year was 740 BC. Uzziah had been king for 52 years. 52 years. That duration was very unusual. And it had been. he'd been king, uh, and he oversaw some really good times. Strong military might, so they were secure, and they had peace all around them lot of prosperity. It was good times in that regard. Now, of course, you remember the nations were divided. The whole nation of Israel had divided into north and south. The north was following after the ways and the gods of the people around them. Judah still had more people who were following the Lord. And they still had this sense of alignment and fidelity to God. But even they were beginning to see cracks. What was interesting is Uzziah was a good king. He served the Lord faithfully for most of his reign. Now, he did have a significant battle with pride at the end of his life. That actually cost him quite dearly. His story can be found in Second Chronicles 6. But an entire generation grew up under prosperity and success, military victories, security, and Uzziah, their king, was faithful. Faithful to try to walk in the ways of the Lord. But what we find is many of the people were not. It was an interesting time. So while the nation is still officially walking in this faithfulness because the king was faithful, many of the people were not. They were turning to the gods around them, not unlike their sister nation to the north. So Judah was becoming a divided nation as well, a nation that had been built on dependence on the living God was gradually turning to the gods around them. Faithfulness was becoming harder and harder to find. So what's interesting is you see the the benefits and blessings of the king's obedience and walking in the ways of the Lord, but you see this erosion happening from the inside out. It hasn't hit the outside yet, but it's happening on the inside. It's interesting how much, uh, really? Why do I get the broken stool? Seriously, who do you got to be around here to get a stool? that I'm, I'm taking Binky's stool. Binky gets the broken stool now. How about that? (laughs) Where was I? It's amazing how much uh, prosperity, wealth, can kind of cover up, and hear me on this, not sin, but the effects of sin. Because the effects of sin typically have a degrading effect. They erode things around them. And it's amazing how wealth and prosperity can, for a time, hide that. We began this ministry working in the inner city. And it was funny because so much of the sin that was prevalent was, was out in the open. You'd be walking down the, the streets and you'd just see some horrible family fight happening on the street in front of you. You'd hear gunshots. You'd experience things like that. And it was just very different. And, but what was interesting is as we continued to minister, ministered in the suburbs, you got the inner city and you got the suburbs, we found that all the same sins were happening in the suburbs. They were just hidden behind nicer facades and better manicured lawns. You had the same brokenness. You had the same relational issues. You had all the same. They were just hidden resources allowed them kind of to hide the effects a little bit. And I think that's what's happening under Uzziah. There's this erosion that's happening on the inside and working its way out. Now, what's interesting about the time, at 740 B.C., within 18 years, the northern kingdom, which had been apart, they'd all been one nation, they'd been divided, the northern kingdom would be completely overrun by the Assyrians. The whole world would change for all of them. The only thing that would be left would be Judah. And so this is a time of incredible transition and change that had been held back by things were never going to be the same turmoil was coming for God's prophet and God's people and that's why the first verse of Isaiah 6 is so critical look at this verse again
0: and this is when we take a quick minute to remind you you're listening to reaching for real life with Sean Azaro a listener supported ministry of River City Community Church in this message called called here am I send me which is available right now on the sermon page at reallife.org And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find the Give tab at reallife.org. And Pastor Sean Azaro, now an author, invites you to check out his brand new book. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio.
1: In the year that King Uzziah died, so all, to anybody who's reading this, they would, they would know, especially if they're looking back, he's writing this after the fact. Like, holy cow, that, was that a change? In the year that King Uzziah died, look, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. What's fascinating about this is you see the contrast between the end of Uzziah's reign and the ongoing, continued reign of God. His vision begins by expressing the times that he lived in. And this is so important. I want you to catch this. It's the year that Uzziah died. And all that that meant politically, all that meant in their entire framework. In the year that Uzziah died, and so he's acknowledging the times but I saw the Lord high and lifted up. Isaiah's vision began by understanding the times he was living in, and I want you to hear this, so will yours. His his vision and his calling began with a recognition of the times he was living in, so will yours and mine. And while he understood the times, he understood what it meant that this was the year Uzziah died, he needed a vision to understand more fully. And so God says, yes, Uzziah has died. Yes, you're in a time of significant transition. Things are changing. The world you've known is no longer. and a new world, a scary, uncertain one is emerging. But into that context, he says, I saw the Lord. high." And exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. See, if Isaiah were standing before us, he would tell us this right now. He would say, "The times to which you're called are changing, but the God by whom you are called is not. The times to which you are called are changing." And this is true for us, but the God by whom you are called is not that it's so significant. And if we're going to understand our calling, we better understand these changing times we live in. Bob Dylan wrote about it almost prophetically in 1964. Take a listen to these lyrics. Come gather round people wherever you roam And admit that the waters around you have grown And accept it that soon you'll be drenched to the bone if your time to you is worth saving, then you better start swimming, or you'll sink like a stone, or the times they are changing. A couple notes. First one, um, that's a great album. If you're interested in Dylan at all, that's a great place to start. I'm just saying, okay? You may agree or disagree, You know, you're going to disagree with a lot of stuff he did, but man, that was a good album. I don't think he even knew. This is 1964. I don't even think he knew how much those words were true and he was talking about a few things and he had a he had a message and an agenda that he wanted to carry out he didn't understand there's a whole bigger thing happening think of the change that has happened see what isaiah discovered and this is so important i want you to hear this we live in a particular time and a cultural context and you gotta admit it's it I, hey it's not boring all right we can cry and complain about it but we're not bored Okay, flabbergasted, blown away, yes, but not bored. We live with one foot in the time, just like Isaiah did. It was the year Uzziah died. 18 years down the road, Israel, the nation to the northwest, is going to be gone. All our brothers and sisters of the northern kingdom are gone. And it's just us, just Judah. We're in that world, but what God does, he showed them, yeah, but there's another world that we're living in too. There's a spiritual realm. And, and remember what we've said about the spiritual realm. Um, it's not figurative. It is literal. What, what Isaiah just described, that vision, that's literally happening right now. It's not physical. But it's not figurative. It is literal. And we are, have our feet in these two worlds, the natural world that we have to live and navigate in, that God's placed us in. And then there's this spiritual world where God is exalted and high and lifted up. And he wants us never to remember the times are changing But God's not the times may be changing but our God is not and that's so critical and so important as we consider this idea of calling now a couple things about calling that we learn from just this single verse number one understanding your calling will always involve understanding your culture Understanding your calling will always involve understanding your culture. Calling always has a context. Always has a context. When the Lord said to him, whom will I send? The obvious question was, send where? And God had an answer. He gave it to him. Whom will I send? Send to whom? Well, he told him. He gave him an answer. Calling always has a context, and we have to be aware The fact is, understanding your calling will always involve understanding your culture. In fact, let me just tell you, I think this is one of the things that we in the church have kind of missed. We've missed this in a lot of places. I think we're getting better in some circles, but in in a lot of ways, I think we've missed this idea of understanding our culture. As our culture's change around us, so many in the church have kind of gotten to that place where we've, we've kind of circled the wagons and said, well, well we want to keep things the same, and, and this is how we've always done it, and we have traditions, and this is the way we've always done things. Many have heard me tell about teaching a Bible study at an equestrian center I was involved in in Los Angeles years ago. And there's a bunch of people there, all just a bunch of Southern California yuppies who had horses, and were teaching this Bible study. I had a series of circumstances led me to teaching this Bible study there. And these people are interested They're buying Bibles, they're studying, they're doing the homework, they're coming prepared. But none of them are a part of a church. And so like three weeks in, I stopped and I said, why aren't you guys a part of a church? And they told me. They said the church is completely irrelevant to us. The dress is different, the language is different, the things they talk about are different. The music, where do they even get music like that? Is there some publishing house in Arkansas that cranks that stuff out? (laughs) We laugh, but I have to tell you, everything they said was true of the church I was on staff at. And I was on staff at a good church that believed the Bible, loved Jesus, loved people. It's not, it wasn't a bad church. But it was one of those things where I totally knew, okay, th- these are folks, if, if I'm going to bring them, I'd have to prep them. We'd have to have some conversations to get them ready for what they were going to experience. And then afterwards, we'd have to have a debrief or two. Like, yeah, I know, it was weird, wasn't it? <laughs> I know. We do weird stuff because, well, we love Jesus, so we do weird stuff. So how, I mean, I felt like I would have had to go through that we got to understand, see, the problem is the church, in many circles, we've forgotten we are a missions organization, first and foremost. If you've forgotten that, if I haven't reminded you, please forgive me as your pastor. We're a missions organization. We're here to reach our culture with the amazing good news that God loves us and made a way through Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. That's it. That's who we are. That's what we're about. And what that means is, like a missionary, we gotta, we got to learn the language, we got to study the people. A missionary goes, they learn the language, they figure it out, they talk, they, they, they figure out who the people are, they become a part of the culture, and then they share the gospel. They don't just say to people, well, we've always done it this way, and if you want to follow Jesus, come and be just like us. That just doesn't work. So, we better understand that understanding our calling will always involve understanding our culture. And folks, this is challenging because our culture is changing at an unbelievable pace. It is changing rapidly. Most of us in this room have grown up in a time of unprecedented peace and prosperity. Think about it. The post-World War II boom, history had never seen anything like it, at least of that size and scale. There have been times of prosperity, but of that size and scale at that time, there had been nothing like it. I mean, truly, the last 60, 70 years, not that there haven't been problems or there aren't issues, it's just... We have enjoyed our paradigm, our world view is shaped by prosperity, by general peace, power. Think about what technology has done. Technology has changed the world so unbelievably. It's game-changing connectivity because of technology. Internet, news, social media. Think about this. We are all instantly impacted by everything in the world simultaneously. We are all instantly impacted by everything in the world simultaneously because of our phones in our pockets. I mean, anything that happens, we get a notification. By the way, little tip, you can turn those off, notifications. There, I've said my piece. I've done that on a lot of apps recently. Oh, it's awesome. And since I still look at my phone way too much, I'm not really missing much. But do you realize how radically different that is than 50 years ago? When everything was much more local? Your news was local. Your, yes, we got some world news, but you had to wait for it. And it took time and there was only so much that could come through the few mediums that, that were available. Now we are, if there's a train wreck over in France, we're gonna hear about it. If there's a terrorist attack in North Africa, we're gonna we're gonna hear about it instantly. If there's a group of kids with their football coach in Thailand who are caught in a cave, we're going to be praying for them. We're going to be worried about if, a, if a, a, their version of a Navy SEAL dies trying to rescue them, we're going to pray for that man. We're going to pray for his family. We're going to be burdened by that. All over the world, we're all in on it. I mean, that's crazy. And 50 years ago, and 50 years, some of you are like, 50 years? Well, that's forever. I mean, that's, you know, my gosh, 50 years. Yeah, for some of us, 50 years isn't such a long time. And everything has changed. Think about how, as Christians in the United States, this nation, while I'm not proposing that ever everybody was a Christian. No, of course not. But the founding and the establishment was based on the Judeo-Christian ethic and the God of the Bible, and that was kind of the norms of life. As Christians in the U.S., our faith today is being resisted and rejected like no other time in our nation's history. And that's creating an unbelievably shifting environment for us. We're not sure how to respond to that. Beyond that, worse yet, a, a, a kind, of a side, kind of a side consequence of that reality is we're losing a common framework of right and wrong. We don't, we don't know how to determine what's right or wrong. The rule of law itself is eroding at an alarming rate. You don't like a law, we'll just blow it off and then make law enforcement the enemy. Someone will pick up your tweet, and they'll, they'll support you. You don't like it? And, and for those of us who have been around a little while, we understand how dangerous that erosion of the rule of law is. How do you have a society together if you don't have common laws that you agree upon and that you enforce? How do you do that? We are on shifting ground in an unprecedented place. We are so deeply divided. People are regularly writing about an impending social civil war in the united states i see it all the time and as i share these things i think of the year that king uzziah died and this idea of eroding from the inside out and it feels like we might be experiencing some of that still enjoying the benefits of previous generations actions investments behaviors still enjoying the prosperity Something is changing and we don't even understand all the implications of it, eroding from the inside out.
0: That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full message in this series that's called, Called, Here Am I, Send Me, it's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd appreciate your feedback. You can leave us a note on our Contact Us page. Or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue.